Brought to you by Dubois Productions. Hello and welcome back to NO and JB Sports Pedigree. We're back to provide insight on a wide variety of sports topics from NBA hoops to Major League Baseball, NFL, NCAA hoops, soccer, anywhere in between. Our goal is not only to give you perspective and real honest opinion, but we're going to have some fun while doing it and we certainly hope that you join us in the fun. So let's not waste any more time. Let's dig right in. I am JB. And I am the one and only N.O. JB. N.O. If I'm not mistaken, it's top five time once again. Yes, it is. I am super excited. Um, We are going to run down our list of top five first basemen of all time. Let's go. And when we talk in first baseman for me, now now you guys probably have already known if you've listened to the previous episodes that I'm not going to give you the cookie cutter, you know, top five. You know, I have a little bit different philosophy than most when it comes to ranking baseball players. You're probably not going to see anybody on my list prior to um, Jackie Robinson. We'll just say that. And um, for first base you got to be able to hit the ball. I mean, come on. If there's any defense at first base, it's it's kind of a bonus for me. Of course, right? It's a bonus because first basemen are known for their slugging abilities. You know, they're standing. You know, from time to time, they'll be in the hole waiting for the ground balls to come. But we know a first baseman's job is to get to that bag and wait on that throw. Yep. <laughs> and, and you've got, you know, some over the years, of course, you can point out that have been great picking the ball over there and certainly there, there, your there team. have been there have been. I don't I don't want to minimize that greatness. Right. But let's be real. Um, if you ain't hitting, you ain't making the big leagues in the first base. So that's right. All right. JB. Uh, yeah. Who's kicking it off? You got to give me your number five, man. Who you got? OK. OK. Number five first baseman all time for me is Willie McCovey. Okay. Longtime San Francisco Giant, 6'4", 198 pounds, played from 59 to 80. That's a long career. It is. He batted 270 for his career, 522 home runs, 1,555 RBIs. He led majors in home runs three times, uh, 44, 36, and 45 seven times in his career over 30 home runs he led the majors in rbis twice four times in his career over 100 career ops of 889 and remember 900 and above is like literally the best of the very best ever Um, he led in that category three times and had three seasons over a thousand of ops uh, he was an MVP in 1969 where he batted 320 with 45 homers and 126 RBIs. Mm. Just all-around consistent, excellent power hitter. Uh, yeah. Willie McCovey's number five all-time for me. <clears throat> JB, I went a little bit different, but in terms of my number five first baseman of all time, it was a similar player in terms of length of play. Okay. However, I went Eddie Murray. Oh, my number five you know, man, first baseman of all you know, time. it was between those guys. Eddie just missed yeah. my list. Good call. Man. Yes, sir. 21 seasons of MLB play, although he didn't play full years in the last five. He's 
Still part of the 3,000 hit club, though, with yep. 3,255. And he hit 504 home runs. He had six seasons above 300 batting average, with the peak being 330 in 1990. Mm. He finished second in MVP voting in 1982 and 1983. So he was that close to winning the MVP. And, you know, he also got it done with the glove, being he a three time gold glove winner. And he was. Well known for his defense. Um, also, three-time silver slugger, JB. Yeah. Eddie Murray, my number five. Hey, and let me just First throw, Ed, you time. know, honestly, that that MVP may have been the difference for me picking Willie over him. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. He had seven seasons, you may have said this, hitting over 300, five seasons of 30-plus homers, and uh, he had almost 2,000 ribbies for his career. I mean, he, mm, he definitely mm, mm, got mm. the job done, so great pick great pick i i yes, like sir. it um all right my number four of all time going back a little bit a little bit older not too far back harman killebrew you know about this dude let me know harman killebrew was six five hundred i'm sorry six foot 195 so by today's standards a bit undersized for first base usually taller guys but he did play some third base um later in his career hereabouts but um he played from 1954 to 1975, batted 256 for his career, 573 home runs, and nearly 1,600 RBI. So a bit more of a slugger, which again is kind of what I'm leaning towards in this position. Led the league in home runs six times, eight times in his career hit 40 home runs or more, and 10 times over 30. Uh, he led the league in on-base percentage and slugging once. He had nine 100 RBI seasons and led the league three times there. 884 OPS for his career, very similar to McCovey. 11 All-Star appearances and also won an MVP in 1969 in the other league. Uh, hitting 276 with 49 homers and 140 RBIs. Mm. Harmon Killebrew just consistently mashed the ball year after year, and that's why he's number four on my list. Nicely said, JB. We're going to take it back a little bit further. Oh, okay. My number four first baseman of all time. We're going to go with none other than a man who was taken away from us far too soon. It's Lou Gehrig is my number Mm. four first baseman of all time. He he had a 17-year career, but it honestly can be condensed into 14 full seasons from 1925 to 1938. Okay. He bat 300 or above from 1926 to 1937 and was just a tad under in 1925 and 1938. He had RBI seasons, JB. <laughs> oh, get this. 173, 147, 125, Lord. 173 again, 151, 140, 166, 152, 120, and 185. Oh, wow. <laughs> in that That's year insane. that he had 185, he popped 49 bombs to go with it. Hmm. Uh, you know, the thing that got Lou Gehrig this high on my list, though, primarily was the fact that he was a two-time MVP winner. Hmm. And he also finished top five six other times. Wow. Not to mention, he had a career OPS of 1,080, and he was a six-time World Series champ, JB. Number four, Lou Gehrig. Can't argue with the stats. And, uh, you know, I bet a lot of people probably have him one on their list, to be honest. But No doubt. You know, no doubt. Much love to him. Good good call. All right. My number three. 
is none other than the Big Hurt. Hey. That's right. Little 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 Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas. Yes, sir. Frank Thomas is uh, very underrated, um, which, to be honest, in my personal opinion, I had him underrated till I started looking at it. I know. Took him for granted a little bit, um, being more of a Ken Griffey Jr. fan growing up, but we'll get there. 6'5", 240 pounds. This dude was a monster. Looked like a tight end playing baseball. Played yeah. from 1990 to 2008. Career slash line batted 301. Ended up with 503 homers and just over 1,800 RBIs. Mm-hmm. He hit over 310 times. Hit over 30 home runs 10 times. And had over 100 RBIs 11 times. Sheesh. He also led the league in doubles, runs, and slugging all once and led an on-base percentage four times. Won an MVP in 1993 and 94. Four-time Silver Slugger Award. And get this. I want to. I think this is highest on my list, a 974 career OPS. Crazy. Golly. He led the league four times in that and was over a 1,000 seven times in his career. The Big Hurt was named the Big Hurt for a reason. Frank Thomas yes, is my number three all-time third baseman. And we think uh, first baseman, JB. Got to correct you there. Oh, sorry. Uh, first base. Thank you. It's all good. But number three. For me, was the same Frank Thomas, oh, and it's, it's it's not really a whole lot that I can even add to this. The incredible nature of it, the the fact that he won MVP twice in the '90s during that banger era, man, sure. well, I guess you would call it the the what the steroid era. The I mean, steroid era, unfortunately, yeah. He was a monster, and and you know, in 1994 when he batted 353. His OPS was twelve seventeen. <laughs> that's that, uh, that's you know, video this, games. It, well, it really was JB. This five-time All-Star. I mean, Frank Thomas is one of the most feared hitters of all time. I mean, Frank Thomas, y'all, yes, number sir. three of all time, and like JB said, extremely underrated. Mm-hmm. Very I, much I, so. When I did my homework, just as JB did, I didn't realize that he had this type of career either. So. You know, I found myself, you know, we, we don't know everything, y'all. We, we're no. still learning as well. That's why, we do this, that's why we do this podcast. That's why we do our homework like we do. We're knowledgeable bas- uh, sports guys, you know, but we still got a lot of homework to do as well, you know, so. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think if you think about that era, he was just kind of overlooked. I mean, you had guys like Griffey and Bonds and later on McGuire. So, you know, he just wasn't that uh, – you know, he wasn't on the commercial, every other commercial like some of those guys. He wasn't as marketable playing for the White Sox. So he just kind of got, I mean, only five all-star games, really? I like, know, how right? is that even a thing? So, yeah, even let's give sense. him his flowers. Frank is three all-time. Let's go. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a feeling we may, our top three may be the same, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, so maybe I'm wrong. I mean, to go number two here? Go ahead, JB. My number two all-time first baseman can be can be called one name, and a, and that would be Miggy. That's right. <laughs> Current major leaguer, 6'4", 267 pounder, playing from 2003 to current, Miguel Cabrera. Yes, sir. All right, let me just throw this stuff. It, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, career batter, 310. He's now in the 500 home run club with, well, 
when I did this, he had 505 and just over 1,800 RBIs. He's batted over 312 times and led the league four times. He's hit over 30 home runs 10 times, led that twice. He's had 11, he at one point had 11 straight seasons over 100 RBI. What? 12, yeah, 12 total and led the league twice there. He's led the league in doubles and slugging percentage twice and on-base percentage four times. He's also now a member of the 3,000 Hit Club. And his career 915 OPS has led the league twice. Two MVPs and a triple crown year where he batted 330 with 44 homers and 139 RBIs. Followed by a season where he batted 348 with 44 homers and 137 RBIs. This dude... It's just an automatic, pure-hitting machine. Miggy is number two, and you can make an argument he's the best ever, to be honest. JB, you can make a great argument that he's the best ever, but he was my number two as well. Um, And I I really don't have much to add other than he is a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Did you? Easily. Did you bring up his slugging percentage, JB? I don't think I did. I just and, said that he led in twice or something. Yeah, and those two MVP seasons, he slugged 606 and 636. Jeez. That's <laughs> insane. So I'm, I'm pretty sure we have the same number one, JB. Who you got? We do. I, I about guarantee it. Again, you can probably just say one name. The best first baseman of all time is also still playing. It's Albert Pujols. It is. He it's, is. Uh, and, and, you know, before I go into it, it's really sad that uh, he's not celebrated more. Again, taken for granted. And when I run through some of these numbers, I hate to steal all your thunder. And, you know, I'm sure you want to say some stats. But um, <laughs> it's all good. when we go through all this, it's like, how do we how do we not realize it? So Albert 6'3", 235, broke into league in 01. He's a career batter of 297. He has 681 home home runs. I mean, he's still got a shot at getting to 700 home runs for his Mm -hmm. career. Yes. And he's fifth all-time current. He's got 2,155 ribbies, which is third Mm all-time, and over 3,300 hits, which is ninth all-time. He batted over 300 10 straight years to start his career. 12 straight years over 30 home runs to start his career and 14 total. Four straight 40 home run years and seven total. He also started his career with 10 straight 100 RBI seasons. Yes. He's led the league in runs five times. He's led the league in slugging three times. Doubles, hits, and on-base percentage once. He's got three MVPs. Six silver sluggers and mm-hmm. two gold gloves, so he could pick it a little bit too. Yes, sir. Nine sixteen career OPS, eight times over a thousand, and his OPS for his career in the playoffs is over a thousand. Uh, from the span when he broke in the game to two thousand and eleven, like the first eleven years of his career. I don't think it's close that he was the best player in all of baseball. I took the liberty of averaging his stats for that 11-year span. 
Okay. For those 11 years, he averaged batting 328 with 40 home runs and 121 RBIs oh my for 11 seasons. This dude yeah. is just, uh, yeah, I, I could go on and on probably, but that, that dude just amazes me. Yeah, he does. And first off, I want to just give a shout out to Eno and JB for the way we think so similarly with these hey, top, yeah, man. with our top three. You know, but when you think about a guy having a rookie year like what Albert Pujols did with 37 home runs and 130 RBIs in his rookie season, I mean, that really tells you that his greatness, what it could have been right from the standpoint of, oh, if he stays consistent, like we say about a lot of guys, and Mm -hmm. he's one of the few people who actually did it, who actually stayed as consistent from their early stages. And you say, oh, man, he's got potential to be one of the best of us. It's like a storybook ending for him. I'm pretty sure he's about to retire at the end of this season, if I'm not mistaken. this is it. And how he is not, like, I think the Red Sox so far, if I'm not mistaken, have done it right and kind of celebrated him. You know, how are we not doing a retirement tour for this guy? Yeah. Um, You know, baseball misses the boat a lot of times, and they're marketing and they're celebrating their players. This is definitely one where – this guy's going to be gone, and uh, people are going to look back like, wow, <laughs> he's going to be missed. Um, yeah, just incredible. Incredible holes. Man, that was an excellent segment. Top five first baseman of all time. JB, yes, what we got next? We're going to uh, pay a couple bills real quick, and then we'll be right back. Okay. All right. So, yeah, great, great segment. I am uh, I'm a little out of breath, um, <laughs> but... I love giving these dudes these props that I feel like, uh, you know, deserve it. Maybe haven't gotten it like they should. No doubt. Um, no doubt. And since you're out of breath, JB, let me kick, yeah, let me you kick, kick off it the off. next segment. Sneaky important stats. Bringing it back. All right. Right? It's pretty self-explanatory. We've got um, stats that, you know, are kind of obscure that could come from any sport, but they're extremely important to us being very knowledgeable sports guys. And I'm going to introduce an aspect of the game that in my opinion should be a stat jb so i'm changing okay. it up a little bit it's an action performed by most winning teams in football and basketball and i emphasize it daily with my basketball team but i've yet to kind of quantify it with my guys to measure its exact success jb this sneaky important stat is in-game situational verbal communication that leads to a made play okay oh, now wow we can define made play in more specific measures, but for now, let's apply this stat to defending in football. Okay, so we're not even okay. going to go the route of me talking about my basketball. We're going to talk about defending in football, and we're going to specify situations where this stat would apply. Okay, so an offense, like an offensive team in football, JB, is motioning in the trips formation where they have three receivers on one side of the field, and the defense is in man to man, right? with let's say a base defense where the linebacker has to step out and cover the third receiver okay that safety who drops over the cover right over the top the slot or second receiver and the linebacker they need to verbally communicate how they'll play the route combination quickly as well as how they'll remain on different levels to make sure the rub route doesn't get one of them picked off. Remember, these guys are man-to-man against mm. the second and third receiver, so they have to be at different levels so they don't get picked off, right? Um, you know, it made me think about back in 2011, myself playing safety 
and the cornerbacks, you know, on my arena football team that I, you know, play with, we understood fully, JB, the importance of this verbal communication in play. And quite honestly, we learned how to manipulate the offense. We try to figure out our coverage. We probably did it 50 times during the course of the season. And let's just say it led to some easy interceptions, pass breakups, and incomplete passes. And JB, it was all about the verbal communication in that moment, how we were going to defend it. Next time we do sneaky important stats, JB, I'll highlight a major area during basketball games where in-game communications is crucial. But these are situations that rub route situation, you know, which we had to deal with a lot in arena football is just one where you just got to talk early. And that is the difference in making a play most of the time, that mm. early communication on who's going to do what, recognizing first what's going on, how the offense is trending. Really, you got to do homework first, right? You got to have your homework done previously to know, kind of know, okay, this is what they usually do in this situation. You communicate it, bada bing. You made the play, you out of that situation. Excellent insight. I, uh, I wonder there's got to be a way, you know, to, yeah. to quantify it. That's awesome. Definitely. Appreciate that, right. JB. Yes, sir. Uh, my sneaky important stat, I'm going to stick with baseball for this week and uh, talk about the importance of the hard hit balls statistic. This is a, a new one. Really, you're talking about exit velocity is um, what it is. And 95 miles an hour or higher is what we're looking at. Um, generally in baseball, and the goal of any hitter is to hit the ball hard and typically good things are happen. Of course, you know, luck plays a factor. Um, positioning on defense certainly plays a part. But for me, if I've got a guy who is consistently hitting the ball hard, um, you're gonna you're gonna have some uh, benefit from that, right? Uh-huh. So yep. again, 95 miles an hour is when you actually see the statistic really increase. So just taking a look back at 2018, okay? Okay. Balls hit over 95 miles an hour. The batting average is 525 with a slugging percentage over 1,000. Balls hit below 95 miles an hour. Batting average is 219. Wow. So, of course, that's a huge difference, right? Um. And then you generally um, want to see an average. So the, the average is about 35% for the major leagues of balls hit that hard. So anybody that hits 50% of their balls over 95 miles an hour, they're generally top players. Um, so if you want to know if somebody's a successful hitter, it's an easy way to do so. Just checking out this stat, uh, for instance, Somebody like Aaron Judge, 61% of the time, he's hitting the ball over 95 miles an hour. Blister. Giancar yeah, Mar Giancarlo Stanton, 54%. Jordan Alvarez, 63%. Goodness Mike gracious, Trout, you got the numbers today. Nice. Yeah, so, so, again, obviously those are the best of the best players, and they consistently are just hitting the ball hard. So, you know, one of those things where it's like a stat beneath a stat, um, you don't even hear it necessarily talked about that much in the mainstream. We still look at batting average. We still look at home runs. But what creates all of that is that foundation of hitting the ball hard. So Yeah, those guys got it. that. 
guys nicely said, JB. Those guys got that nice reaction time, nice mm-hmm. instincts, combination of power, and they're squaring that ball up. Wow. Yep. Barrel it up, son. <laughs> squaring it up on a barrel. Nicely said, oh, JB. Yes, All right, sir. JB. Let's kick off our personal segment today, and I'm going to start it off. Okay. Uh, talking about uh, former Purdue player Carson Edwards, uh, how he found okay. himself – he found himself playing for the Detroit Pistons late in the 2021 season, right now. 2021-22, so this past season. Still trying to carve out a consistent spot in the NBA rotation, right? I couldn't help but watch the NBA Finals thinking that, you know, the Boston Celtics could have used him a little bit in his electric offense in the same manner that maybe Golden State used Jordan Poole, mm. but... Mm-hmm. Austin got rid of him. That's a conversation for another day. The NBA draft <laughs> is coming on, JB. And with the yeah. fifth pick, the fifth pick, the Detroit Pistons selected Jaden Ivey. For those of you sure who don't see the irony, the last two Purdue Boilermakers top backcourt players are now teammates in Detroit. Now, mind wow. you. Are you Carson's, saying you're going to be a Pistons fan? Sorry. Well, let me, let me, <laughs> let me, let me talk about it a little bit, JB. Carson's okay. final season was 2019, and Jaden Ivey played two years finishing here in 2022 so they didn't really cross paths at Purdue but when I begin to think about the style of play of these two perimeter guys one can legitimately dream of a Jaden Carson backcourt scenario and yeah how these two will be successful together Jaden in dream world is obviously the point guard right his ability to push and find open shooters is something to behold he's up the court in three to four dribbles and always in attack mode at 6-4. Carson, mm-hmm. on the other hand, being the scorer that he is, he fits the spot-up role perfectly, and he's a smaller guard, so, you know, it will be a little bit different, but both guys are shot creators, too. Ivy finishes above the rim like none other, and Carson can get off his shot in a variety of scenarios. Defensively, you could switch Carson over to defend the one, and Jaden, being a lockdown guy that he is, could guard the you know, the two. You throw Kate Cunningham in at the three, and mm-hmm. Detroit may get a lot more attention than my Pacers next season. Oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure Detroit just bought out the contract to Kimball Walker, and he's going elsewhere. So They sure did. Um, you know, that means more playing time for those guys. No doubt. You know, that's that Purdue connection. You know, and, and, and JB, am I allowed to give Detroit more attention I, than my Pacers? I mean, you know, that's uh... – I mean, I'm a, I'm a Purdue guy, JB. Yeah, I mean, you know. I think so. Yeah, I think so, considering the players are from your favorite school. I appreciate may, uh, that. Yeah, yeah may, may have to. That's an early Christmas uh, list. Well, wish there well, well since, you, since, you gave me, since you gave me some freedom to do it, you know, I might, I might mess around and watch some Pistons games next season. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, we are just in sync today because my personal – Uh, considering, you know, recent NBA drafts, I'm going to do my take on a little bit of draft hindsight, you know. Okay. A lot of times we do this draft recap. It's just happened. Like, we don't really know, you know, and it's fun to talk about. But I think it's cool when you look back after the guys have actually been in the league for a while, then you can really determine who did well and who maybe missed the boat. So I think four years is a good measuring stick. So I'm looking back at the 2018 draft. And we'll start at the bottom with some uh, some guys that are still doing pretty well or surprised a little. Uh, Shake Milton was drafted 54th overall by the Mavs. Wow. Now with the 76ers. You know, I think that's a bit of a steal. I think he's a pretty talented guy. 
Um, remember him in college from SMU. Always, uh, man, the, the Bearcats always struggled to contain him. So he's a good, solid player for that pick, I think. Um, jumping ahead to number 33 overall, somebody that uh, I believe is uh, about to get paid or already did, uh, Jalen Brunson was picked by the Mavs at number 33 overall, and uh, I believe he's now a New York Nick, if I'm not New York mistaken. Knicks. They paid um, him, yes, sir. Obviously, that looks like it was a steal, considering how he's playing now. How about the Celtics at 27, getting Robert Williams? Um, I think when he's healthy, he's certainly a game-changer inside. Yeah. Uh, Shea Gilge- Gilgis, I can never say his name right. Uh, he was picked 11th overall by Charlotte. And now averaging over 18 a game and five boards with OKC. Um, yes, sir. So good pick there. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, Sexton at eight by the Cavs. Colin averaging Sexton. 16 points a game. Mo Bamba at number six by the Magic. Um, we'll see now with that new kind of core nucleus uh, how they do. How about this one? At number five overall, Trey Young was taken by the mm. Mavs, not mm. the Hawks. Yep. They actually traded him. For the number three pick, Luka Doncic. Wonder how the Mavs. Wonder how both the teams feel about that nowadays. Uh, but of course, Trey averaging 25 and nine, uh, Luka averaging 26, eight and eight. Both could be. I mean, you can make an argument. Should have been picked one over one two maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and at number four, you had Jaron Jackson. Um, looks like he's maybe coming into his own. Obviously. Yeah. At number four, Memphis could have had Trey Young, but I'm sure that they are happy with um, getting Ja Morant the very next year, so I don't think they're complaining too much. Um, and the number one overall pick, you know who it was that year? Remind big man, me, baby. Big man for the Phoenix Suns. I'll give you a Hey, D- DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, say what you want to say. He's... he's 16 and 10. Um, it's kind of what you would hope to probably get from the guy, but if you look at some of the folks drafted behind him, eh, I don't know. You know, it's, well, it's it's still early in his career. Uh, I think previously mentioned the Kings are the Kings. Um, you know, they had two picks. Uh, they took Bagley at number two. Um, he's not a slouch, but considering maybe what they could have had there, he's averaging 14 and seven. They also picked Gary Trent Junior. Junior, why did I say Junior? Gary Trent Junior at 57, which would have been a great pick if maybe they'd kept him and not allow him to go to the Raptors, where he's averaging 18 a game. Mm-hmm. So again, there's a reason the Kings are the Kings. They could have had Luca. They could have had Trey Young. No, they didn't. So <laughs> there's my draft <laughs> hindsight for the 2018 NBA draft. Nicely said, JB. And when you talk about those big men that you discussed, like Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, I think in mm-hmm. both of those cases, the teams that they're currently playing for and maybe potential suitors are looking for them to have a little bit more attitude. Um, mm. Both of those guys, man, look for them. You know, when Good you call. think about a big man in the NBA, you don't want a nice big man. <laughs> and a lot of these guys right. nowadays, because they're more skilled, naturally, That's a great point. naturally, when you're a more skilled player, you're not going to have that, you know, that attitude that maybe a Robert Williams has. So I'm more, you know, it's That's hard to find that balance. great comparison. Between, yeah, because, I mean, who would you rather have? Yeah, yeah, you, I'm the, you know, you, know? you probably you probably know me and what I I'm going to say in that situation. That's right. I'm, I'm not into softer big men, even if they're mm. super skilled. That's not really my, if, if I'm fielding it now, 
Mind you, I'm talking about if I'm a GM and I'm drafting and I'm trading for, I need me a big man who's going to be down there doing the dirty work, who's yep. not really going to be um, looking to be on the perimeter a whole lot. He's got to be a defensive force around the rim. He has to be physical. He has to have a short memory. He might get dunked on a few times, but he's doing 110% of the dirty work. That's my style of big mm, man. I think Ben Wallace, when you just said that. So yes, love it. Love it. Yes, sir. Nicely said, JB. Hey, you know? man, that was fun. That was fun. Let's um, excellent draft hindsight, JB. Thank you, thank you. You know, time to jump back into Ayo. Ayo. Individual effort eye openers for y'all that don't know what that is. I E E O. And um, yes, sir. The individual effort eye opener that I'm going to discuss is hey, last year in the 2021 U.S. Open men's tennis team. Oh, wow. I'm talking about my guy Francis Tiafo, who was facing the young Russian Andrei Rublev. Andre Rublev, it was a best of five set matches we see in the major tournaments, and he was down early in the match, you know, after it was a late night affair. Went down one set to none. Francis bounced back in the second set to tie it at one, but he found himself down a set point in the third set, which would have put him down to one. Countered that. He was able to overcome and ended up winning the second set to go up two sets to one. Now, after Andre Rublev won the fourth set, Francis jumped all over him in the fifth and actually went up five to zero, but he ultimately won six to three. Now, Francis, he rolled the pro-American crowd and quite honestly, this is what I admire most about him. He's just a tough, hard-nosed young dude who hmm. plays a very skilled style of game. He's not an overpowering player, you know, who uses his serves. Francis is a combination of speed four hands and running around the court. He creates a lot of energy for himself in a self-motivating fashion that quite honestly, I can latch on to. He reminds me of me as an athlete in a lot of ways. Obviously I didn't play tennis, but still the reminder's there, right? And at, at 24 years old, JB, I look forward to watching his skill wow. and passion for years to come. So there's my individual effort eye opener, Francis Tiafo. All right, I'll be on the lookout. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tiafo. Okay. I'm going to go back to 1998 and uh, this young baseball player. So this Chicago Cubs pitcher in only his fifth start, 21-year-old Kerry Wood threw a one-hitter. Yes, sir. No walks and 20 strikeouts. What? Yes, sir. He became the only pitcher besides Roger Clemens to record 20 strikeouts in a nine-inning game. And, man, I tell you what, talk about busting onto the scene. I can remember this game, and uh, this was when I was really diligently following baseball. And you couldn't turn the TV on without seeing Kerry Wood, Kerry Wood, Kerry Wood, and uh, just a flamethrower, kind of a similar to a Roger Clemens. I mean, that's who they yeah. were really comparing him to at the time. Mm -hmm. Just burst on the scene. Unfortunately for him, that rookie season ended up really becoming his best season, probably, um, due to, to injury and arm problems. He ended up winning Rookie of the Year, 340 ERA. Um, he had a few good seasons where he you know, led the league in strikeouts, really, um, through 2003. But after that, just injuries really cost him. But, man, I certainly, uh, being a Reds fan especially, never – took a liking to Kerry Wood, um, mm -hmm. but he, I certainly uh, paid attention to him after that game for the rest of his career and was uh, kind of 
fearful of facing him um, every time we took the mound. Yeah, no doubt. I was too. And I do remember the early Harry Wood era, and he's very comparable actually to NBA player Brandon Roy and how great mm. they were. But injuries kind of derailed their careers early, you know, not to change the subject. But, you know, Kerry Wood, what incredible yeah, pitcher, right. JB. What a great IEO. IEO. All right, man. Well, uh, bring back maybe my personal favorite. Come uh, on, man. We all know sports. we all love Sports Dichotomy. That's yes, what we all love. We're going to go back JB. and forth here. And, um, yeah, a little bit of a. Uh, Yes and no. That's about all you're going to get from us. That's it. That's it. All right. I'll kick it off. All right, Inno. Uh, the most important thing you can do as a coach at any level is to ensure your players know that you care for them. Yes. The PGA Tour versus Live Beef is good for golf. Ooh. I like the spin. Yes. <laughs> Chet Holmgren was the best player in the NBA draft. Potentially, yes. <laughs> Tampa Bay is the most underrated sports town in the U.S. in terms of success of their pro wow. teams in, re in, in recent years. Bucks yeah. Lightning Rays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, a bit under the radar, Deontay Murray trade to the Hawks could be a potential game changer. No. <laughs> Jesse Winker thought he was a mere Garrett for a second, charging the opposing <laughs> bullpen. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's going on there? Oh, the Washington Commanders losing two days of organized practice in 2023 for practicing too physically and Ron Rivera being fined $100,000 is sensible <laughs> no <laughs> Deshaun Watson being penalized by the NFL after already missing a full season is warranted man no yeah I didn't yeah I don't think so either. um let's see oh funny Gronk is really retired and will no longer play in the NFL <sighs> Uh, it, no. <laughs> the Seahawks will regret losing Russell Wilson for at least a decade. Yes. Think so. Wow. Yes. Rich Eisen is a top five radio show host. Yeah, I'm not too knowledgeable, so I'm, I'm going to say no. Okay. On StubHub... Tickets for the U.S. Wales match are under $200. JB is tempted to buy a couple. Absolutely. It's <laughs> real life. Wow. Oh, uh, man. We're going to talk later. Uh, UCLA and USC to the Big Ten. Makes sense. No, it's weird. Uh, it's weird. Dan Marino in the exact scenario Tom Brady had in New England would have won more Super Bowls. Um, nah, I can't say that. Okay. The Cincinnati Bengals have the best combo of QB, running back, wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, I can't really argue with that right now. I'm going to say yes. 
Steph Curry would have more success in a backcourt with Michael Jordan than he would with Kobe Bryant. Yes. I think so too. Yes. NO weight trains a minimum of five days a week. Yes. Every week. JB would rather listen to Skip Bayless than Colin Cowherd. No. <laughs> no, no thanks. James Harden is worth every penny of his roughly $47 million contract. Don't don't do that to me, JB. <laughs> Resounding no. Okay. In reality, comparing players from different eras in sports isn't even logical. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Christian Pulisic will score in the first game against Wales this year. I'm going to say no. They're going to be okay. keying on him too much. I think we're going to win, but I'm going to say no. They're going to be keying on him. Okay. As an athlete, JB values strength over speed. No. Nah, me neither. No. Um, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant will both play with the Nets next year. No way. Mm. Alec Pierce will start during his rookie year in Indianapolis Ooh. playing for the Colts. Yes. Yeah, he has a chance. Put it past him. We don't got more. a lot of we don't got a lot of great receivers. He has a shot. Yes, sir. Uh, if you need one inning to get a one, two, three, and you got one guy that you can go to in all of the history of baseball, mm -hmm. Mariano Rivera is the guy. Yes. I mean, that was the name I was waiting to come out of your mouth, of course. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Got to be Mariano Rivera. Yes, sir. Oh, that was excellent, JB. Nice yes, sports sir. dichotomy segment. As and now always. it is time to bring back JB's justification jb justification. first off we're gonna give jb a personal question all right and then i'm going to come with a minute on the clock and i'm gonna give jb a scenario um to justify which side he's gonna take i'm gonna push him towards one side and he can either take mm -hmm. that side or decide to go against it and then finally we're gonna do name the athlete you ready jb i'm ready okay this personal question is, I guess, kind of a fun one. When it comes to athletic apparel and shoes, JB's top brand is what and why? Oh, um, you said so specifically with shoes. Um, I mean, really, because it's what I've been wearing the past couple years. It's nice. I said, hold on, JB. I said athletic apparel and shoes. Okay. Um, uh -huh. it's, 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 you know. I'm probably starting with Nike just because, uh -huh. you know, that's what I've got. Um, I don't typically shop a lot for myself, so if I'm being honest. Um, but my gym shoes, uh, as well as my most recent basketball shoes, and even just my sneakers. Um, now, I also wear, I have a lot of uh, Alpha Elite, um, which is actually a brand based in Alaska, I want to say, um, that my wife actually began following these folks and they uh, kind of sell stuff online it's kind of a local group there um, very nice gear that they offer and very comfortable and, and well fitting so I wear that too but um, to be honest you know I, I kind of could wear whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not super picky excellent JB excellent stuff okay 
You ready for JB's justification question? We have a minute on the clock. All right, ready as I'll ever be here. JB replaced Nick Crawl in the 2021 offseason and is in charge of all personnel decisions with the Cincinnati Reds. JB, please justify which changes you would make that differ from what the organization actually did and why. I'm gonna put Absolutely. a minute on the clock and JB can start right now. Man, I love it. So first and foremost, Jesse Winker is still a Cincinnati Red. Got to. I'm, I'm also offering and matching and paying uh, to keep Castellanos here. Considering yes. Those two guys are the heart and soul of your team. In fact, if you plug them in now, uh, based on what we've seen from some of the young pitching, which I think is a positive, um, you know, we might be in a different spot. You know, Suarez... I love Eugenio Suarez. Um, I'm not necessarily opposed to moving him based on I think we've seen his peak. Yeah. Um, and he just lacks consistency at the plate, to be honest. Right. I'd also take a look at um, keeping our catcher 15, around. 15, that, uh, yep. Is really great with the young pitchers. But I do like Stevenson, so I'd probably be okay with that. The right. biggest Five is those seconds. two guys, bats, keeping them around and um, – you know, solidifying the offense rather than Thumbs just up. guessing. Because um, you don't know what you're going to get from a lot of the guys that we brought in. No doubt. Yeah, and come on, man. Winker and Castellanos, man, I'm not. I just get mad thinking about it. Man, I probably would have brought back Wade Miley too, man. I don't like Wade Miley leaving. Quite honestly, Yeah. With, you know, Sonny, like, I just feel like Wade Miley, that last, his season last year, like, give, give him another shot. And maybe even Sonny Gray, too. I could understand Sonny Gray. You can get some good, um, some good quality. Yeah, but that's the thing. Retire. If their philosophy is you're going to try to actually win right now, then you don't do those moves. Unfortunately, right. you know, they're just, again, just pushing, kicking the can down the road more. Um, you know, if you keep Sonny Gray and you plug him into that rotation as well, that's a difference maker potentially. That's um, right. That's right. And, and, he, and go ahead, JB. I'm just, you know, you can't quantify chemistry. Um, that's it's one right. of those things that people talk about. And does it matter? Doesn't it matter? It, to a certain extent, it matters. You know, in baseball, especially when you're in day in day out with the same guys, 162 games, and you get a feel, you get camaraderie. And uh, as they say, you know, hitting's contagious. Everything in baseball, it's like so mental. Of course. Of course. And you mix that up, man. You put these guys in the wrong frame of mind, it it goes downhill quickly. No doubt. And when you think about that top five lineup, if we still had Winker and Castellanos, yeah. you're talking India leading off rookie of the year last year. Winker Castellanos, two all-star starters, Joey Votto, future Hall of Famer, and Stevenson, one of the best second-year players. That's your top yeah. five. Absolutely, and Kyle man. Farmer playing like he is. And if you let Eugenio Suarez go, and let's say Brandon Drury is even a shell of what he's been doing this year, that's our best player offensively this year, yeah. Brandon Drury. There you go. So, goodness gracious, man. All right, JB, let's let's move on before we get, get too frustrated. <sighs> yeah. Nice, right. Nicely done on the justifying, JB. Nicely mm -hmm. done. All right. Name that player, JB. 26-year-old current NFL player from Lakeview High School in South Carolina. He has 471 tackles in four seasons and 17 forced fumbles, mm. 11 interceptions as well. And his 15 sacks to me is kind of low. 
but as a linebacker, I've always felt like he needs to be blitzed more, hmm. and he is nicknamed the Maniac. Is it uh, Darius Leonard? That is one of my favorite players in the NFL. Easily one of my top three players on the Colts, oh, yeah. Darius Leonard. Easily could be could be considered the best player on the Colts. Yeah. And Darius Leonard, yeah. man, fourth going into his fifth season. And, man, what a steal in the draft. He was a second-round pick, man. Yep. How does he fall with the – especially when they're all about the measurables. And, I mean, that dude's a – he's an athletic freak, you know. You know, and, Darius, Darius Leonard fell because – he went to a smaller school, South Carolina mm, State. And yeah. it shows you how foolish these guys are sometimes because he is yep. a monster on that field, man. Look forward to seeing Darius Leonard here in this next season. There you go. Well, good one, man. That's uh, another one in the books. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, guys. As always, we are blessed and very grateful for uh, anybody that listens and comments and talks back to us and gives us feedback you can hit us up at no.jb.sportspedigree at gmail.com follow us like us subscribe all that stuff on instagram tiktok at uh, no and jb sports pedigree it's all spelled out one word and of course you know look for us on youtube maybe website coming one of these days yes sir so (laughs) thanks a lot and uh we will see you guys next week we'll see you next week Let's go. Sports pedigree on deck. Who's batting? N-O-N-J-B is what's happening. Coverage of the NBA, present and past. You probably want to listen to facts. We never mask. Alas, we don't hold back. Articulating them sneaky, important stats and trivia. Shows that the subject matter is well-rounded like a ball is. I see the referee. I'm wondering what the call is. Communicate the pick. I'm going top side. Illuminate that list. Giving you my top five. Acknowledging who's great. Now, your list may have a couple different names, but really, there's no debate. Wait. Passion, gotta be smooth. On the lookout for sports dichotomy tools. Getting views sounds nice, but the vision is deep. Cause in knowing JB will never put you to sleep. Originality is the key. You pick locks with open up, no nose. It's been concocted. The segments are personal too. Cause a sports podcast without opinion, surely no value. <laughs> we gotta be great. Requesting no favors. World Cup, you wait for tennis majors, NFL trades, and baseball pastime. Consistent on the mic, we don't get no halftime.